Tonight might be a little different Wednesday night. I don't know. Um, I usually do spend Wednesday nights teaching. Um, and I'm going to do that tonight. But I want to address a few things and, and kind of lay some foundation of why we're going to teach what we're teaching tonight. I have noticed in the last two years, particularly, a little longer than that, but it seems to be getting more and more in the last two years, there are things that are coming under assault that are the basics of Christianity. One of those things, of course, is the Word of God. If the Word of God is not true, then we don't have anything. Another is the deity of Jesus Christ. If he wasn't God and isn't God, then we don't have anything. And as of late, I've seen it for several years, but as of late, I've seen something that's becoming very prevalent, and that is a, uh, the teaching on the tithe. So we're going to look at that here in a little bit. You say, why does that matter? Well, A, it's the Word, and it's a principle laid out in the Word. And it's actually, it's not only a I hesitate to use that word because it is a principle, but we don't teach things because they're principle. We teach things because they're true. And the tithe is a form of worship. It is not a form of law. It is a form of worship. But in gathering my thoughts today, there's been things in the last, uh, we're not going to do much on the deity of Christ tonight because we've covered that some in the last few months and we'll probably cover some more specific examples of that coming up. But the Word of God is under attack, is the bottom line. Yes. I read, you just have to indulge me a second because I'm just going to read it. I read a headline last week in the Daily Mail. That's one of the United Kingdom's newspapers. It says, Pope Francis warns mankind faces a second great flood caused by global warming. Now listen to me. Why would that matter? It matters because of who said it. And it matters when the Word of God comes under attack, particularly when it comes under attack from what it's supposed to be, one of the, one of the top leaders of the church. Well, uh, you know, in certain circles, he is the leader of the church. But regardless of what I think about Catholicism and Rome and, and, and the papacy, he's still a worldwide religious leader, supposedly Christian, and what he says influences millions, hundreds of millions of people. Right? Are you following me? So does it matter what he says? Of course it does. You're, you're foolish and naive if you don't think it matters what he has to say. Well, when I, read the, when I read the headline alone, I thought, I've got to read this article. Because I am seeing the man that is supposed to be the vicar of Christ on earth. That is supposed to be the, the, the infallible that is standing at the ex-cathedra at the throne of Peter. <laughs> That's supposed to speak for the church. And I thought, sir, with all due respect, 
without reading further in the headline, I knew in Sister Juanita Grill's first grade Sunday school class that God promised after the flood that he would never flood the earth again. So you're going to have to excuse me if I take exception. Correct? In Genesis chapter 9, it says, and God said, in in verse 12, it says, and God said, this shall be the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. So that's forever. He says, I set my rainbow in the cloud. By the way, whose rainbow did he say it was? He said, I set my rainbow in the cloud. If you haven't noticed that the, that the, the, um, I'm looking for a word. I can't find a good one. It's a constant stealing of, 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 the, of God's word and, and, his, and his creations and his covenants, let's say it that way, that they get hijacked for ulterior motives and different agendas. And the meaning is changed. I'm sometimes frankly surprised that we haven't caved in the assemblies of God that we still have rainbows on Wednesday night because because, uh, organizations have stolen the symbol as a symbol of gay pride. Well, I got news for everybody. You can get mad at me. You can not like me. You can, you can rail against me. You can try to cancel me. But God's word says that it's his rainbow. So it, and it represents his promise. And the promise is, he says, I will set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall be, when I bring a, bring, bring a cloud over the earth, the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant, which is between you and me and every living creature of flesh, that the, the waters shall never again become a flood and destroy all flesh. That's a promise from God. There's a few things there that we're not going to spend much. It says it's his rainbow. That's just, that's just extra. And what it, he is literally saying here, how many, of you, how many of you, no matter how many times you've seen a rainbow, you'll stop to, get, to look at it. I've never seen anybody ignore a rainbow. They'll point it out every time. Say, did you see the rainbow? Well, he said it there for himself, according to the word of God. He says, when I see the rainbow, he says, he was speaking. God said, when I see the rainbow, he, I am reminded. He set a symbol in the heavens to remind himself of the covenant he made between himself and the earth. God is never going to go back on his word. He is not a covenant breaker, never has been, never will be. What are you talking about those things for? Because the word of God is under attack at the highest levels. If you continue reading the article, it goes into to Pope Francis saying that because of climate change, that he says God uses these things to, to judge and to reset 
man. He says, although, now listen to this statement. Although the story of the flood is a myth, although the story of the flood is a myth, it is a relevant example of what happens for God to correct what goes on on the earth. Quote. Now, I, I think anybody that's been here any length of time knows I'm not too bashful about the pontiff. <laughs> and why? From the highest levels in the world, the Word of God is under attack. That should matter to people. It should matter to me. It should matter to you. And frankly, it should matter to any believing Catholic in the world. But that's not my point. My point is, is if the vicar of Christ on earth doesn't have any regard for the word of God, then why should we be shocked when no one else does? The word of God is under attack. But I got news. The very book that's under attack says heaven and earth will pass away. But my word will never pass away. And every, he says, he watches over his word to perform it. He said, he will, it will not, nothing will pass until every jot and every tittle is fulfilled. It's going to happen. There's not going to be a climate change flood, I can assure you. The, 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 the next time God destroys this earth, it won't be with water. It will be with fire. As promised in the word of God. We have to make a stand. This is why you teach on things. Some things you teach because you have a problem. Sometimes you teach because you don't want to have a problem. And I got to tell you, ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance will, ignorance will get you killed. Do you know that? My people perish. Why? For a lack of knowledge. That's the book. The world perishes? No, he said, my people perish for a lack of knowledge. If you destroy the book, if you destroy who Jesus is and what he done, and what I'm seeing come to the forefront now in the church, I'm not, I was talking from Rome just now, and I've, of course we know the, the politics of the day and the media of the day and Hollywood of the day, the newspapers of the day, that everything is against the truth. We know that. That's outside. I want to talk about inside. The thing I'm seeing inside the church is the, is the destruction on the teaching and the worship of the tithe. You've been here any length of time, you probably know this preacher has done less teaching and preaching and, uh, than anybody, anybody you've ever seen in a pulpit, probably, on tithe and offering. I even, when it began to settle on me today that, it was the, that this was what we needed to look at tonight, I was digging, and we're going to look at something that you probably, I'm, I can almost assure you with the exception of, there's a Bible school student up here on the front. A uh, Bible school student may have heard it. 
But most of us do not know some things about the tithe. But what we are hearing now in the church world, in the Pentecostal church world, in the Assembly of God church world, is that the tithe was old covenant law, that it is no longer part of worship today. Now, there's always been people on the fringes that believe, that wanted to try to say that, but it has never really picked up steam as a movement because the Bible is so clearly, uh, so clearly states it. Now, why would that matter? And why would it bother me? And why would, why would the Spirit of God direct us to teach about I Actually, if you want to know the truth, I'd rather teach about this Sunday morning, believe it or not. But today's the, tonight's the night. See, I've never been afraid to teach on it. And, uh, and, and if people ever hear you teaching on money when you teach on the tithe, they're either lost or they flat don't get it. Because the tithe is just as much part of our worship as, as our prayer life, as our, as our, as our, as our devotion life, as, as, as part of who we are. But why at this time today, this is what I want to talk about to start off with, why at this time today would it suddenly make a rise to the top to be, to be the teaching, the doctrine that's under attack the heaviest? Because it will cripple the church. That's why. Because, it's a cri- because it cripples the church. Now here's one thing I can say that makes it easy to teach these things at MAG. We have the most faithful people financially that I've ever seen as a body of believers. And that is no exaggeration. That is no exaggeration. You would have to work hard to find the exception to the, to the regular attender of MAG that wasn't a faithful tither. So this isn't about correction. You understand that? It's not about correction. It's about knowledge. It's about what you need to know and what is going on. Because, again, my people, God was talking to the church. He says, my people perish from a lack of knowledge. If we don't point things out and teach it correctly, then when, because do you know that people make compelling arguments for false, for false doctrine? Compelling argument. They'll say Jesus had nothing to say about the tithe. And they would be right. He had nothing to say about the tithe. They would say Paul had nothing to say about the tithe. And they would be right. Paul had nothing to say about the tithe. Unless you believe Paul wrote Hebrews which it doesn't really matter who wrote Hebrews. I believe Paul wrote Hebrews. It doesn't matter. You can, you can, you're entitled to your opinion or lack of it, but it's in there regardless, right? I know I've already, I may either got your interest peaked or I've already bored you to death. It's hard to say which, but we're going to, first of all, we want to start tonight looking at Genesis chapter 14 something very important in Genesis chapter 14. Are you there? Genesis 14 verse 18. 
have to speed up because I've got a lot to unpack in the next few minutes. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 says, Then Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the high priest of God most high, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and be blessed be to God most high, who is the deliverer of your hand, who, is, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithe of all. Who is the he and who is the him right here? The he is Abraham. The him is Melchizedek. Are you with me? The Bible has very little to say about this high priest, Melchizedek. There's an example here in Genesis when it talks about that Abram worshiped and, and gave his tithe to Melchizedek. And then the next time you hear from him will be in Hebrews. So we're going to turn to Hebrews tonight. Do you know what Hebrews is about? We don't know for sure who the writer is. I suspect it was Paul. Some think it, some thinks it was Barnabas. Others think it's Apollos. It doesn't matter who the writer was. We know who it was written to and why. Hebrews was written as explanation of the new covenant to the Jewish people who had been brought up in centuries of tradition, centuries of, of religion, of a way that they worship God. And, and you got to understand, don't get too upset with them because they, they had had religious tradition passed down for literally centuries. And now there's this Jesus that had came on the scene and now there is a new covenant and they're having to be brought in and be taught what the new covenant is. The purpose of, of the book of Hebrews is to, is to bring Jews into the truth of the new covenant. And to explain. And, and really the theme of Hebrews is this. Is that Jesus is better. Hebrews says that Jesus was better than the law. It says Jesus was better than Moses. It says Jesus was, is better than the priesthood. It says Jesus is better than the angels. The theme of Hebrews is Jesus is better. Even when we get reading in this chapter, we're about to read it. It says that we now have a better promise or a better covenant based on better promises. And we do. In Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 5, it says, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, You are the priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now why is that important? Because we're talking to Jewish audiences and the priesthood they know about is the priesthood of who? Of Levi. They know about the, the priesthood of Levi. That's where all the priests of Israel came through the lineage of the tribe of Levi. Okay, you with me? I know I'm laying some stuff down. Can I tell you something? Do you know, I, I, Sunday we preached. 
I love to preach. But the church has to be taught. We have to know what's true and why. He says, Jesus was probably said, you will be a priest of the order of Melchizedek. Then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 7. Are you there? Now this is some interesting reading. It's, you have to read slow, methodical, and we have to unpack some things as we go through. But we're going to do that. It says, For this king Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the priest of the Most High God, who met with Abraham returning from his slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated, who Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness. We're talking about Melchizedek. And also the king of Salem, meaning the king of peace. Now hold on a second. We had this Melchizedek, they call him the king of righteousness and the king of peace. Who are we talking about? Of course. There's one thing that's happened in Genesis chapter 14. And all the scholarship debates it. We either have a Christophany, which is a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ himself in Genesis 14. Or we have the perfect type of Christ in Genesis 14. The king of righteousness, the king of peace. Let's keep reading. Because this name, the king of righteousness, the king of peace. Listen to verse 3, Melchizedek, listen. Without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither a beginning of days nor an end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. What did it just say? This king of righteousness... King of peace had no genealogy, no no mother, no father, no beginning, no end. We're talking about either the perfect type or Jesus himself that Abraham paid tithe to. Why is that important? I could end it all right here without going into anything and tell you because the argument against the tithe is that it was the law. It was under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. Therefore, and Jesus had nothing to say about the tithe. Paul had nothing to say about the tithe. Hebrews has a lot to say about the tithe. And here's what you need to, the argument that it was under the law is completely false. Why? Because Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. Abraham, this is before his, even his name change. There was no law. There was no priesthood. There was, there was no Isaac, Jacob, and all of the tribes of Israel. This was before the law. And the tithe was set up to an eternal priesthood. You hear me? 
Now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch gave a tenth of his spoils. And indeed those who are the sons of Levi who, rec who receive the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. There it is. There's the law. When the tithe was given as law, it went to the who? It went to the Levites. Right? Why did the Levites receive tithe? The, Levite, the tribe of Levi had no land and no belongings. They, they served the people in the priesthood. And the tithe was to support the priesthood under the law. Now, about this tithe under the law, tithe means what? Tenth. Not tip, by the way. Tithe means tenth, not tip. There's a reason your smart aleck preacher said that. Under the law, there was the, the tithe, the standard tithe, 10%. There was the once a year tithe, another 10%. And there was 3% to the temple. Under the law, it was 23%. Never has been that way under the new covenant. It says that they were commanded to take the tithe from the people and the priesthood, to have a commandment to receive the tithe, let me, let me catch the verse we're in. Verse 5. And indeed those were the sons of Levi who received the priesthood have a com commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they, came, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he, whose genealogy was not derived from the received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Now beyond all contradiction, the, le the lesser is blessed by the better talking about the, Levi, the, the priesthood of the Levites is blessed by the priesthood of Melchizedek. What's he saying? This is another one of the betters of Hebrews. Are you with me? It's a lot. I understand. That the priesthood of Melchizedek is better than the priesthood of Levi. Levi was a temporary priesthood. It was an old covenant priesthood. The, the, the priesthood of Melchizedek, it was and is eternal. Are you with me? In verse 8, here mortal man received tithes, but there he receives them, Melchizedek, of whom it, it is witness that he lives. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, because he was still in the loins of his father when he met Melchizedek. That's a lot right there. We're not going to spend time on that right there. We're not going to, that's too much to cover in one night. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it people received the law, what further need was there for another priest? should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the, to the order of Aaron. For the priesthood being changed of necessity, there was also a need for the change in the law. For he whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. 
For it is evident that our Lord Jesus, for our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning the priesthood. And yet it is yet far more evident in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. For his, he testifies, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Maybe we can stop reading there. What's being said? Let's take it from hard reading into simplicity. It was prophesied that this King Jesus... See, he's both king and priest. Do we know that? That he would not be, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah, right? Not of the tribe of Levi. He was not of the the priesthood of the law. He's of the priesthood of, of the eternal. He was, it can be said this way, he was, he is, and he always will be. The writer of Hebrews goes on to some very familiar scripture in the the coming verses that talks about something that you will know, that we have not a high priest that's not touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but we have one that has passed through the heavenlies, right? It says, we now have this great high priest Jesus. What is all this talking about? What is Hebrews 7 spending an entire chapter explaining to the Jewish nation? Well, let's read verse 20 and 20 through 22 again, just for clarification, because you've heard me said it, say it. And inasmuch as he, as he was not made a priest without an oath, this is Jesus. For they have become priests without an oath, and he, and he with an oath by him who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, verse 22 says, by so much more Jesus has become the surety of a better covenant. There's what we're talking about. Better, so we have a better than the angels, better than Moses, better than the law, a better covenant, a better priesthood. Jesus. And all of this, what I lay groundwork tonight, was for one purpose, And it is so this body of believers can answer the lie that is making its way through the church world today that the word is not true, that Jesus is not God, and that the tithe is no longer for today. Because all are a lie. Everybody gets caught up in the curses of the old covenant. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Malachi chapter 3. It says, will a man rob God? It says, how? In tithe and with offerings. Is that what it says? And it says, to prove him herewith, saith the Lord. If I, and it said, it said, see if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing which you will not have room enough to receive it. He says, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. All of those things, right? Then it says, says, but if you don't, it says, then you are cursed. And here's, the, here's people's argument. 
says, we are delivered from the curse of the law. And that is absolutely true. We have been delivered from the curse of the law. But first of all, Malachi is a prophet, not a voice of the law. And second of all, he was never talking about the, a, a person being cursed. He was talking about his things, his money, his finances, and his interests being cursed. In Proverbs chapter 3, when it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Then he, then he talks about, well, let's just read it. Just so y'all know, nobody expected a shout tonight. Trust in the Lord with verse, chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. And it will be health to, your uh, health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruit of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. And that your vats will burst forth with new wine. The tithe under the new covenant it's about worship. It's about a king of righteousness, a king of peace, and a perfect priesthood who was worthy of, to receive it. It's worship. The blessing is not about him. The blessing is about us. You're not understanding. The tithe is not because God needs our money. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible says the earth is his and the fullness thereof. It all belongs to him. It's not because he needs the money. It's our first fruit offering of worship. It's about us returning to him, the first and the best. It's about us appreciating what he's given to us and trusting him with all of our increase. It's about, it's about him being worthy of everything we could offer. It is a thank you to the one who, to Jehovah Jireh that provides it all. It's not the last thought and the afterthought. Come on, somebody. Somebody needs to hear me. It's not the, it's not the, it's not the last thought or the afterthought. It is the first fruit of our worship. Sister Tennyson, y'all remember her? I'll use her because y'all like her better than me. Sister Tennyson can say things other people can't say. 
you know her, you know that's true. She was preaching one night and ran across the tithe, and she said, she said, you know why people don't tithe? I thought, no, but I bet you're fixing to tell us. <laughs> she said, people don't tithe because they don't trust God. Now, that had been a mouthful if that's all she said. But that's not all she said. She said, you know why people don't tithe? They don't trust God. You know why they don't trust? Because, because people only trust people they know. <laughs> we bring it back to a simple thing that everything comes back to always. Do you know that everything always comes back to right here? Everything always comes back to right here. As we talked about the truth of God's word being under attack. And man, we get, when I was reading to you that Pope Francis says that this, this, is, that this account was just a myth, that rose, made your blood pressure rise because you knew that the, that, the, the, that the religious leader of the world was saying that this Bible was just made up. And that made you mad. That stirred something in you. That aggravated you. Because it was an assault on the truth of God's word. Starting to understand why we talked about all three. And we get mad when people uh, attack the personhood of Jesus. But man, it don't bother us much at all. A matter, we only get mad, the only thing we get mad about, about the tithe is when the preacher talks about it. And points out the truth of God's word. This inerrant book that you just got mad because somebody, because, because the Vatican isn't trying to undermine it. I'll ask you, child of God, what difference does it make which promise you don't believe? You either believe it or you don't. I think it's interesting that he's stuck in the same thought in Proverbs as where he said to trust the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And in the same thought, he said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. But he talked about the first fruit of all your increase. In the same thought as trusting God with everything you have. Makes sense to me. You know why? He knew what we were going to struggle with. And all the way back, man has struggled with giving back to the one who gave it all. Now, I'm not going to stand here at nearly 50 years old and tell you I've never struggled with what we're talking about. I've always believed it. But let me tell you, believing and doing are two different things. Well, I told myself I believed it. Because here's the fact of the matter. If everybody believed God would do with the tithe what God said he would do with the tithe, everybody would tithe. They would. If, if you believed that you were going to receive good measure for pressed down, shaken together, and running over, <laughs> mm -hmm. 
We'd be trying to get to the we'd be get, trying to get to the tithe before we got to the bank. You say, can't you move on? I told you it was it, it made it a lot easier because uh, truly, honestly, God is my witness. This this church is one of the most faithful group of people I have ever heard of in my life. But we got to know what's true, or we won't be that way. I will say this. Oh, man. I make myself say things. About to go Don Norton on y'all. Y'all don't know that Don Norton will say anything. Well, I heard Don one time say that, that when first guy that come asked his daughter out and come to the door said he, said he wanted to know where they were going, what time they were getting back. And if he paid his tithe. No kidding. Young man, that's my, that's my baby girl. Where are you taking her? What time are you coming home? And do you pay your tithe? I said, did you really ask him that? I said, yes, I did. He said, why did I ask that young man that? And I said, why, Brother Norton, why did you ask that young man that? He said, because my daughter is not dating a thief. <laughs> said, if you'll steal from God, you'll steal from anybody. That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> but it's a great story. Yeah. This happens to be true. I'm talking about Maurice Phil Assembly of God. You know, when I first started pastoring, I used to didn't want to know anything about anything. And I kept that train of thinking for a few years. And I had pastors talk to me about it. District superintendents talk to me about it. Presbyters talk to me about it. I say, that's between them and God. Then I had one of them say, what does your bylaws say about you? What do you mean? Does it say that, you're, that you are the bottom line, the, the responsible for everything, the bottom line of everything? I said, yes, it does. He said, then why wouldn't you want to know everything? I say, all right, got a point. But here's the most important. I'm just telling y'all stuff now because of what the Word says. I'm telling you all this to tell you that our young people in this church I have seen in the last two years from the time they get a job, they pay tithes. The young people in this church. You know what that tells me? That mom and dad made it important to them. See, I didn't, this is not a rebuking sermon tonight. This is, not, this is not about teaching. This is not about getting after people who don't. This is about telling people why we do it. And say, preacher, so why do you know now? I used to didn't want to know because I wanted to make sure there was no barrier for me treating people the same. That makes sense to you? I had to learn that I had to learn to treat people the same no matter what I knew. Because that's the easiest thing. That's the easiest thing. The hard stuff is what you know they said about you three weeks ago across the dinner table when they were filleting preacher for, for, for supper and you, and, and you still smile and hug their neck and, and can't wait to see them next week. That's the hard stuff. 
It's true. You got to take it. If you're going to do this, you got you got to be a you, you got to you've got to love the ones that love you and lo- and love the ones that hate you. And it changes. <laughs> it's it moves around. You got to care anyway and love anyway. You can't do this more than a few months if you can't just take things in stride and let things roll off and go on about your business and love people anyway. The word of God says to be to be that the word of God says that a believer will tithe. That's number one. Number two, our bylaws say to be a member in good standing of this church that you've got to attend. It says you cannot have absented yourself for more than three months without cause. In other words, your job didn't take you out. Your health didn't take you out, whatever. Two things you've got to be. You've got to attend and you've got to tithe. And I made up my mind. I'm kind of Don Norton on this. Board would tell you. When it, comes, when it comes business meeting time and all that, we go through that list and we, and, we, and we purge the role. We purge the membership. People go to inactive and they go for two reasons. They quit coming to church or they quit paying their tithe. Why, preacher? What are you talking about? There ain't nobody... Voting on, making decisions for, and spending this church's money that doesn't contribute and be faithful to what God asks them to do. And that's only right. That's only right. You, you ain't going vo- to vote on spending a half a million dollars if you, hadn't, if you didn't pay your tithe. Or vote against it. <laughs> Whatever. In other words, you have no voice if you're disobedient to the Word of God. You say, preacher, why? Why? Because people need to know the truth of the Word of God and why. Then they need to know that we live by it. It's not always easy. Church, you'll get tested. I know people, in fact, I don't mind saying that I'm one of them now. Hadn't always been able to say it, but if I got paid and it was the car payment or the light bill or the tithe, my tithe's getting paid. And I can tell you right now, you say, preacher, that's dumb. No, you either believe this book or you don't believe this book. You either believe God is faithful or you don't believe he's faithful. And I'm going to tell you, I have, I'm like David. I was young, but now I'm older. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I've never been afoot. I've never been in the dark. And I've never been hungry. And God has always been faithful. God has always been, and he will always be faithful. You can make your way back, Brandon. My staff, particularly Katrina, I'm not telling all everything, but I'm not telling anything that's a secret. As the church has grown in the last year in particular, people come and go and people visit and stay and people 
I mean, part of growing is an ebb and flow. Do you know that? Churches, they ebb and flow as they grow. What's that mean? There'll be, you know, there'll be 161 Sunday and there'll be 120 the next Sunday. There'll be 140 the next Sunday and then there'll be 115 the next Sunday. And somewhere over the year, your average just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing. It ebbs and flows. But the ebb and flow is upward, not downward. We'll have new people and cat will say, well, have you seen so-and-so or whatever? He said, are they coming here now? I'll say, I don't know. You tell me. She'll say, what do you mean? I said, you're the secretary. Are they coming here now or not? And she's found out what that means. When they engage, when they begin, when they begin to pay tithes to the church they go to, that's when they're there. And I've cons- I have seen that over the years consistently. Until that happens, they're not faithful to much of anything. They come and they go. They're in and they're out. They're up and they're down. But there's something about obedience to what was before the law, through the law, and still remains today that when you're faithful, it changes everything. There'll be people that's here tonight that don't like it. There'll be people that watch it later that don't like it. But you know what? Whether I like it, don't like it, whether it upsets me, rubs me wrong, or makes me want to shout, if it's in the book, it's true. And you can hang your hat on it. You can take it to the bank, so to speak. Because God never changes. He never changes. I'll tell you something funny at the end of it. Sometimes you just need to know something funny. Because I thought all day. See, I tried to come up with something else. But see, I have found out whenever, whenever God gives me something, and if that's it, you ain't going to find anything else. You ain't going to find anything else. And I'd finally settled on it. I'd said, all right, all right, all right. This is funny. Or it was to me. You may not think it's funny at all. I, I've studied it. I was about halfway through the day studied in and getting this Hebrew 7 thing worked out. And I still don't know that I unpacked it very well, but I, you can go dig in it some more if you want to. About 4 o'clock, it dawned on me that I was going to teach on this truth of the tithe on the day that everybody's stimulus check hit. <laughs> and everybody's going to think, yep, he's trying to get, <laughs> he's trying to pull it in, pull it in, pull it in. <laughs> I thought, you stinking devil. <laughs> Never crossed my mind until I'd already settled, but it's kind of funny that he tried to discourage with it, tried to get the change. Somebody needed to know the truth. And you know what? We're living in a time of deception. And it's not going to get better. And everybody in this room is going to need to know what you were shown tonight. Not for yourself. Do you know what I've discovered about people who's lived for the Lord a long time and bought in? You ain't going to change their mind. You're not, going to get, you're not going to change their mind. It's not going to happen. 
But as I say over and over and over, it's not me and you, mom and dad and grandma and grandpa. It's not us. They're going for our kids and grandkids. And if they ever believe any of the three things I brought up tonight, the errancy of Scripture or inerrancy, (laughs) the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and that the tithe is not for today, that's a three-legged stool that this whole thing stands on. And if you kick one of those three legs out, it's going to fall. That's why it's important. That is why you group them together. I don't guess I've really even ever seen it so clear as I do today, is if you lose one of the three, and that's the ones that are under attack the most right now, if you lose any one of those, then there won't be a church for our kids and grandkids. But this church is going to stand. The church. I'm not talking about the church. He's going to have a people, and he's going to have a church. Stand with me tonight. Anybody wants to shout, you can. (laughs) Sometimes the best time to shout is when it's over. Let's just lift him up tonight. Lord, we love you, and thank you for your word. Lord, we know that we just need the bedrock foundations of what's true sometimes. Lord, that we just need to go back to the, to the, to the rudiments of, of the foundation. Lord, we don't need to know what we believe. Sometimes we need to know why we believe it. Lord, and I'm thankful that you are faithful and that your word explains every question that pertains to life and godliness and we don't have to wonder. And Lord, I pray that you make your word come alive in the hearts of your people tonight. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.